All right, good afternoon. How are we? Well, let's say goodbye to our, our children. See you guys. Thanks for worshiping with us. I'm so excited that we have Kids Connect. I was just talking to Sylvia downstairs. She's like teaching today, and she's so excited to teach. So it's such a great ministry. So if you're married, have children quick so we can send them downstairs. <laughs> we can, and they can get blessed by the teaching there. Uh, hi, my name is Eddie Bang. I am the pastor here at Full Life Ministry. It's such an honor to be a, yeah, your pastor. If this is your first week here, if you're a newcomer here today, thank you so much. We've been getting newcomers every single week, so I, I thought I'd just say, I just thought I'd give a shout out to you guys. It's not easy to get in a car and then to drive to a, a church that you're not familiar with, even if your friend invited you, and then to sit in this worship service and to you know, go through this. It's not easy, so thank you so much for coming by, and thank you so much for worshiping with us. We're really glad to have you. So uh, We hope that you can really consider seriously being part of our full life family here, so thank you guys so much. Um, we have no announcements today, so we're going to get straight to our message uh, which comes from Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Okay, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew chapter 40, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48 says, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect, therefore, as your, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the ways that you have been speaking to us. We thank you, God, for the ways that you've been just touching so many people's lives and drawing us to Christ. Lord, we pray that you continue to do that as we come to worship you today. May your word have power over our, our souls, God, so that we might want you and live for you more than anything else in this world. We thank you, God, for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, you know, it's a very simple verse today, only one verse. Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. And what I'd like to do as I begin this, this message today is I want to ask you a question. And it's either one or two answers, and I, I'd love it if you could raise your hand. When I said this verse today, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, did you think about yourself or did you think about God? Can we take, should, we do, should we do this? I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Who here thought about yourself first? Who here thought about God? Yes, yeah, so only a few people thought about God. Right? Now, here, let me ask you another question. If you thought about yourself first, did you think about yourself positively or did you think about yourself negatively? Can I think positively? Raise your hand. Negatively? Raise your hand. Yeah, why is that? Why is it that most of us, when we read this verse, we think about ourselves instead of God? And why is it that we think of ourselves negatively instead of positively? Did you ever wonder that? Is it because we're Asians? Did our parents... Like, abuse us that much? You know, what a, that's mine. Okay, I'll tell you that story one day. But, but no, it's like that. It's so interesting. You know, when I, read, when I read this verse, even when I was preparing this verse this week, I read it and I, and I shuddered. I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know why, and, but I do know why. The reason why is because of my father. You know, my father was one of those hardcore Korean dads, and he always wanted perfection out of his children, and I was never that guy. You know, I remember one time I tried really hard for an exam and I got a 99, but instead of being excited, I was scared. I was scared to tell my parents I got a 99 because I'd be in trouble because it wasn't perfect. You know, why can't you be like the 100 kid? 
you know, whatever. That's that's my upbringing anyway. You know, when I read, so when I read this verse, it was such a burden to me because it's one thing to try and please your earthly father, but this verse says that you got to be perfect to please your heavenly father, isn't it? That, and that's huge. And if Jesus is truly serious about this command, which he is, then, like, we're totally screwed, aren't we? Because no one's perfect. None of us can be perfect. And so, but the question is, is that what Jesus really means here? Is that what Jesus is really telling us to do, be perfect? Exactly like God is perfect? I know Christ just, you know, went over all these um, examples of how Christ's righteousness is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees, but does Christ actually expect us to live out those things perfectly like God would? I mean, what does Jesus really mean here when he says to be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect? You know what the answer is? The answer is, yes, be perfect, like your heavenly Father is. And that's exactly what it means. But maybe not in the way that you think, okay? There are two points that I want to make and I want to share with you today about how we become perfect as God is, as good as God is. And then I'm going to end with two implications for today. And just a warning, today's message might be a little heavy on the teaching side, so I want you to track with me a little bit, okay? So how can we be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Here's point number one. Only God can make us perfect. Only God can make us perfect. What does Jesus mean when he says to be perfect like our Heavenly Father is perfect? That was the actual question that Jesus' audience was asking 2,000 years ago when he preached the Sermon on the Mount. But maybe a little bit differently. Do you see the third word of our verse today? What's the third word of our verse? Therefore, therefore is a word that indicates a conclusion to an argument, okay? Which means that Jesus, by saying this particular verse, is concluding an argument that he's making or that he was making. So the question is, what was the argument that Jesus was making? And to find that out, let's rewind to Matthew 5, verses 17 to 20, where it says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to Fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And here we go, verse 20. For I tell you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So what verse 20 is telling us is that Jesus wants our righteousness to surpass the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And unless it does, you can't get in. Unless your righteousness surpasses the teachers of the law and the prophets, you cannot get in. So the question on everybody's mind, they understood that teaching very, very clearly, that the question in everybody's mind back then was this. Well, Jesus, if that's the case, how much more righteous do I need to be than the Pharisees or the teachers of the law? Logical question, right? Like, Jesus, when you say, like, our righteousness has to surpass the Pharisees, like, how much? By how much do we need to surpass them? Like, because I think the Pharisees are pretty good. They're, you know, if I can kind of measure, you know, I think they're like 50% as holy as God. So if they're like 50%, is 51% good enough 
right? That's what a true Asian would ask, right? It's just, you know, what's the bare minimum that I need to, to get in? You know, just, just tell me that. You know, what's the minimum ATAR to get into that program? Whatever it is, that's all, we, that's all we care about. What is the bare minimum for us to get in? And these, you know, which led to another question that these, these, uh, the audience had. They said this, it was like this. Jesus, we all know that the Pharisees, they're pretty holy. I mean, they're much, much better than me. But if we follow you, and we follow you, and we do everything that you say, like, how much does our spiritual stock go up by following you? You know, how much better do we actually get by simply choosing to follow you? And if heaven is on the line here, then if we follow you, how much better not only do we become, but how much better do we become, and does that get us in? And that's the question that everyone was asking. And those are pretty good questions, aren't they? Believe it or not. They're the exact same questions that everybody today still asks. You know, the question's like this. How good do we have to be to get into heaven? How much better are Christians than non-Christians in God's eyes? You know, and how much better do we really have to get in order for us to barely get it in? I just want to get in. You know, I don't have to be number one. I don't have to be the ducks guy, but... How much better do I need to get in to get into heaven? And so in response to those questions, what did Jesus do? He shared five examples of how his righteousness surpasses the scribes and the Pharisees. And we talked about that in the past few weeks, didn't he? He said surpassing righteousness calls us to surpassing reconciliation, surpassing purity, surpassing speech, surpassing rights, and surpassing love. And what was the whole point of all of those messages that we even we covered in the past few weeks? The whole point was this. There is no way that you can ever be good enough to get into heaven by yourself. And that was the whole point. Because in order to do so, what does he conclude here in this particular verse? you got to be perfect. And I'm not talking human perfect. We're talking divine perfect. Divine level perfection. And that's what the standard is. You have to be as perfect as God to get in or else you can't get in. Anyone here as perfect as God? No. No, none of us are. This verse has to be the most discouraging verse to anyone who even has the notion that they could possibly get into heaven by their own merit or by their own works or by their own good doing. You know, people even today are still convinced that um, if they simply do more good stuff than bad stuff in their lives, or maybe if they dedicate their whole lives to living this altruistic lifestyle to help humanity until that they die, that not only maybe maybe they deserve to get into heaven because they live such a great life, or at least they deserve consideration to get into heaven. And if you're convinced, and if you think like that, then you have a totally wrong concept of God. You have no idea who God really is. Your view of God is your view of God. It's not the biblical view of God. Because the way these people view of God, if that's true, then you view God kind of like Santa Claus, don't you? You know? Because God's making a list, man. He's checking it twice. Going to find out who's naughty or nice. That's what he's doing. And if you have more good than more, or if you have more nice than naughty, you get in. But God's not like that. Because what does he say here? He says, you got to be perfect. That's why what Jesus says is absolutely devastating to all human beings who believe that they can get into heaven by their own merit or their own works. There's only one way to get into heaven, and that is to be perfect, just like God, right? So that's not perfect in your skills, 
That's not perfect in your intentions. That's not perfect in your service or your goodness. It means perfect in your holiness. Perfect in your righteousness. Perfect in your sinlessness like God is. But the problem is what? No one's like that. None of us are like that whatsoever. And why is that? Because we are sinful to the core. Our hearts are corrupt with sin to the core. There is nothing within us that's like God at all. And that is the whole point of this verse. You know, Jesus wanted everyone who was listening to realize that it is actually impossible for anyone to get into heaven by their own merit, right? He just spent the last few verses telling us how sinful we really are, how diametrically different from God we truly are. And therefore, we can't get in. And so if God's standard is perfection, which is perfect sinlessness, then since humans are the complete opposite of that, which is complete sinfulness, it's impossible for anyone to get into heaven. Is that cool? Do we understand that? Black and white, clear? So the question then is, how do we get in? And the answer is, only God can get us in. Only the work of God can make us perfect like him. How does that happen? Very simple. God made us perfect through his son, Jesus Christ. Okay? Romans 3, 22 to 24 says this, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. There's a lot of big words here. In verse 24, Paul uses this word justified. Justified is a, very, is a legal term in the Bible. It's a kind of uh, a word or vocabulary word you might hear in a courtroom when the judgment comes down. The word justified means to be declared righteous, to be declared sinless, to be declared perfect. That's what to be justified, being justified means. And the case that is stated against us, the case against us is stated actually here in verse 23. It says, all of us have sinned and fall short of the perfection of God. You know what that means when it says all of us? It means that it doesn't matter what race you were born into. It doesn't matter what era of history you were born into. It doesn't matter what socioeconomic status you were born into. All men and women are guilty, and we are sinful. And because of that, Scripture says that our sentence, like in a courtroom, because we're guilty, our sentence is eternal condemnation in hell. And there was nothing we can do about it. But God, knowing that, decided to work. In verse 24, it says that God freely sent his son Jesus to pay our sentence on our behalf. That's what it means by our redemption, right? Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. He decided to pay the penalty, the sentence, for us on our behalf. So he redeemed us. And if we have faith in what Jesus Christ did for us, what does verse 22 say? Not only can we be forgiven of our sins, but God also then gives us Christ's righteousness so that from this point on, God can only see us as perfect. If I can sum it up very quickly, how does God make us perfect? When we put our faith in Christ, God replaces our sinfulness 
with Christ's perfection so that we can only now be seen as perfect in God's eyes, which means we are now perfect in God's eyes. God perfected us in Christ. Do you guys get that? If you truly get that, if you truly understand this amazing gospel truth, then it completely eliminates any thought of trying to get into heaven by our own merit, our own works, our own goodness. Why? Because we are convinced that what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross and through his resurrection is completely satisfactory to fulfill all of God's requirements of perfection on our behalf. We don't have to try anymore because Christ did it all. And we can just spend every day thankful for that, that we don't even have to try because everything was paid for by the blood of Christ. If we really understand that, and if we get who God really is and why he decided to do that for us, then there's also no need to fear God at all. Hugh here kind of walks around every single day a little bit afraid because we know that God is watching, right? Doesn't, isn't that true? I'm still like that because I'm still messed up, you know? But that's what we do, you know? But that's because we don't understand who God is. God's not like that. God, you know, we think, oh, wow, God's watching us. Oh, how great. Like a loving father who comes to a baseball game to watch his kid or something. Oh, my dad's watching. Yay. It's not like that. We're afraid. And we're afraid because we were trained wrong. We were taught wrong about God. God's not like that at all. He's not that spiritual cop who's just waiting to pounce on us, you know, when we sin. He's going to book us every single time we sin. We think God's like that. He's not like that whatsoever. God's the one that tells us that we could boldly enter into his throne room at any time. Even if, we've, even if we massively sin this morning, we can come into God's throne room today. Do you know why? It's because we're clothed with Christ's perfection. And as messed up as we may have messed up this morning, as much as we may have sinned this morning like crazy, Christ's perfection and righteousness forgives us that much more crazy. And it's because of him. that we can come. God totally knew that we couldn't be perfect. He also knew that we couldn't continue to be perfect. So he made sure that Christ's once and for all sacrifice covered us eternally. And I'm going to take it one more step. I'm going to take it one step further. You know, if you truly understand what God did for us in Christ, then we can now live our lives in complete liberty. You know, we can be free from things like legalism. We don't have to from this point forward, ever worry about the rules because it's about a relationship where all we have to think about is pleasing the Father. We can be free from judgment because it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks about us anymore. We are already approved and accepted and embraced by God himself. We don't have to think about that. You know, we can be free from religiosity, I call it. We don't have to be what anyone else expects of us. We only have to be who God genuinely wants us to be. And lastly, we can be free from fear, free from hell, free from death, right? free from this fear of punishment. Why? Because being made perfect in Christ, perfection means that we are perfectly forgiven that we are perfectly accepted, and that we are perfectly loved. Why? Because we are perfectly his. 
God not only made us perfectly holy through Christ, which is awesome in and of itself, but he made us perfectly his. And the reason for that is so that we could now live to be like Jesus Christ every single day. I think Paul got this one right in Philippians 3.12. Let's look at that together. This is what Paul says. He says, not that I already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Right? I know it's different. I read from the ESV. Sorry about that. But do you know what Paul's saying here? He's saying, because Jesus made me his, I want to make him mine. What does that mean? He says, I want to spend the rest of my life reflecting his perfection. That's all I want to do with my life. That's what my life goal is. So when God made us perfect, it wasn't just so that we could be forgiven. But that act of grace was always intended to reorient our hearts so that from this point forward, we could love Christ and become like Christ with all that we have. Kind of like the greatest commandment in Scripture, isn't it? My parents always asked me, Eddie, why are you going to church again? You know, Why do you keep on going to church all the time? Why do you study the Bible every single week with those people? Why do you go to all those prayer meetings? Why do you have to go on missions again this year, you know, and waste our money? You know, whatever. Why do you go to all these meetings? Why do you go to those accountability things and so on and so on and so on? And there's so many answers to those questions that I always want to share with my parents, but this is the one I always share. Because this is what this is what it's all about. This is my answer. You know, it's because I want to make Christ my own. I want to possess Christ just as much as Christ possesses me. And I want to be as perfect as he has perfected me. That pursuit is what I want to make my worship to Christ every day. So guys, God made us perfect so that we could know him. And so that we could love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and being. And that doesn't mean spending your lives at church. I know I painted that picture. It doesn't mean that it helps. But it doesn't mean that. Uh, but what it means is making Christ your ultimate pursuit in your life. With everything that you have to live a life that reflects him and gives glory to him. That is our spiritual act of worship. And that is why he made us perfect. But how do we do that? How do we love him with all that we have? How do we make Christ our own? How do we make Christ our ultimate pursuit? That's our second point, okay? God will make us perfect, okay? God will make us perfect. You know, when we put our faith in Christ, legally, just like we said, we are made perfect, but morally, we're still exactly the same. I remember the day I got my Australian citizenship. If you can't tell, I'm an American. But I got my Australian citizenship when I married my Australian wife. Okay, so I got my, they gave me my citizenship like two years later or three years later. And I remember that day, I got this piece of paper saying I'm now an Australian citizen. But guess what? Inside, I completely still felt like an American through and through. Nothing within me felt like an Australian. But the same goes for this. Legally, we may be declared completely perfect, but you want to know something? Morally, deep inside, nothing feels like it's changed. That's why we still sin. That's why we still want to sin, even though we are saved. And, you know, it's going to be a battle that we fight 
for the rest of our lives. And, and the battle that we fight for the rest of our lives is against our sinful nature. And there's going to be a lot of times in your life where you feel like, man, I don't think I'm winning. It doesn't look like objectively that I'm becoming more like Jesus. It doesn't feel like I'm becoming more like Jesus. It doesn't feel like I'm even being perfected to become like Jesus. And we go through that a lot. But here's the good news. And here's an amazing passage that we all have to memorize. God, well, here's the point. God will make you perfect. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 to 24 says this. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Everybody has to memorize these verses. This, these verses sometimes are the key to living faithfully every day of our lives. Because what verse 23 is saying here is that God himself will sanctify us through and through. That word sanctify means to make holy, which means God himself will make you holy not just little bit, but through and through. That's complete. That's like complete. He's going to make you holy through and through. Every part of our being, spirit, soul, and body, will be made perfect until Jesus comes. Why will God do that? Verse 24, because he is faithful. But what is he faithful to? He's faithful to us, and he's faithful to what he's called us too. That's what this verse is saying, which is what? His perfection. God will always be perfectly faithful in making us like Jesus, which means what? Which means that no matter what we go through in life, no matter what your life may look like right now, no matter what types of successes or failures, ups and downs, you may look at your spiritual history and it might look like even today, whether it's in the past, God is always at work in your life to make you like Jesus. Do you believe it? It's so true, right? Even when you don't see it, he's working, right? Even when I don't feel it, he's working. You never stop. You never stop working. And you laugh because it is uncool to quote songs during a sermon. And I'm much cooler than that, but it just fits. And it works. And the reason why it works is because it's true. God will never Stop working in your life to make you like Jesus. He will never stop working in your life to make you like, like Jesus because that's who he is and he will be faithful to who he is and he will be faithful to his commitment to you regardless of your faithfulness. You have to believe that. You know what that means? It means three things. First, it means that when you look back in your life, everything that you ever went through, God can redeem for his glory. The second thing it means is this. God is working in and through everything that you're going through right now, which means that you can either spend your life partnering with God, depending upon him, so that everything that you go through, every experience and every decision that you make in your life can now be used for his glory, or you can spend your life being completely ignorant of that and not partnering with God. I say you're missing out if you choose this one. God created us for this one. And thirdly, you know what it means? It means that when you die, that God will complete his perfection in you to make you exactly like Jesus. There's a lot of verses that say that. I didn't quote any. 
But when you pass away, the moment of your death, God will perfect you to actually become as holy as Jesus Christ. Past, present, and future can all be made new because God is continually perfecting us every day. Through faith in the work of Christ, we are made legally perfect. And through faith daily in the work of Christ, are we being made perfect? And if we continue in our faith till death in the work of Christ, we will finally be perfected. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want to end my sermon with uh, two implications of this truth. Number one, he's going to finish what he started in you. Philippians 1.6 it says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, God doesn't start things that he ain't going to finish. And that's what you got to believe. And last week we said that he, if he sought after us while we were dead, then surely now that we're his, he's going to continue that work, isn't he? Of course he is, because we are perfectly his. And what that means is that even though there may be times where we give up on God, God will never give up on us. Number two, he's nowhere near done with you. Okay, Romans 8, 28 to 29. And we know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the, to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among, among many brothers and sisters. And what this verse says is that in our lives, we're going to face a lot of trials, and we're going to face a lot of testings. But God is going to use those trials and testings to perfect us in Christ. What does that mean, that he's going to perfect us in Christ? And let me tell you the one very real way that God will work to perfect you in Christ. The one very real way is that every single time that you start sinning and you start going in a sinful direction, because he loves you, he's going to start prodding you. You know, it's just, you know that's what he's going to do to awaken you to the sin and the sinful direction you're going so that you can turn and live holy like Christ. You know, a lot of times I think Christians misunderstand how God does that within our lives, but Hosea chapter 5 actually kind of shares something very, very clear to us about his process and how he does that within our lives. Let's read Hosea 5, 12. It says, God says, I am like a moth to Ephraim, like rot to the people of Judah. Hosea 5, 14 says, for I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces and go away. I will carry them off and with no one to rescue them. What, what, is, what are these verses? How do these verses work together? It's very simple. Uh, Hosea 5.12, God said, when Israel starts to sin, I'm going to be like a moth to them. Meaning, he's going to be very gentle in his proddings. You know? But between 12 and 14, believe it or not, Israel completely goes bad. They continue in their sin. And so then he says, well, if they're going to do that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat them a little more roughly. And I'm going to come like a lion. Do you understand? This is how God works. What does that mean for us? 
Oh, verse 15 says, which I don't have it up here. The reason why God does all of this, prodding gently, prodding roughly, the reason why God does all of this is so that we will turn away from our sin and so that we will earnestly seek after God. Once again, this is what verse 15 says. I'm sorry I didn't put it up there. But what does that mean for us? You know what that means for us? What that means for us is we need to learn how to recognize God's prodding in our lives. What does that look like? Let me just give you a few examples. A lot of times, you know, when you're in a sinful direction, you may not even know it. All of a sudden, things become very inconvenient. You'll encounter failures. There's a restlessness within your heart. All of a sudden, plans change. And those are warnings of his displeasure at our current course of action and of his desire to turn us back to him, right? And if we don't respond one day, we may find a lion in front of our path. But what you have to realize, it doesn't matter if it's a moth or a lion. They both prove that God is not done with you and that he still cares for you. And he cares so much that he'll send a lion to make sure that you become perfected in Christ. You know, this is the love of God for us. It might be unpleasant, but he's not going to allow us to keep on sinning. He is faithful to us, so he will always prod us so that we can have victory over sin and so that we can earnestly seek after him. He is nowhere near done with us. So, Jesus truly is serious about us being perfect as our heavenly Father is perfect. Believe it or not, this verse, Matthew 5.48, is actually the central verse. It's the pinnacle verse to the, the Sermon on the Mount. Why is that the case? Because it tells us. It not only tells us God's demands, but it teaches us what God did and what God will do. He demands perfection, but none of us are perfect. So we sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die upon the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And if we have faith in the work of Jesus, we can be forgiven and we can be made perfect, right? Not with our good works, but with Christ's perfection. And for those who have faith, we can now live the rest of our lives possessing Christ just as much as he possesses us. God is always at work in our lives and will make us perfect like him. Let's pray. You know, nobody can get into heaven on their own. No one can actually even seek God on their own. Why? Because we are sinful through and through. But God may be calling some people here today. God may be calling some people here today to finally put their faith in Christ, to make their Christianity maybe about Christ and not themselves. And he may be calling you to follow him. If he is, will you surrender to him today? Just surrender your life to him. I invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and begin living for him alone. If that's you, will you talk to God right now? He wants to talk to you. Repent of your sins, repent of your sinfulness, and trust in Christ's forgiveness and his perfection that you're now clothed with. Live now 
to make him your own. For you believers, let's be confident that God is not done with us yet. He has never stopped working in your life, and he's going to finish what he started in you. But the life of perfection that he's called us to can only be lived completely dependent upon him alone. So will you do that? We need God to be like God. Let's repent. Let's bathe ourselves in his righteousness and perfection once again so that we can live our lives in dependence so that everything that we do can be for his glory. Let's pray. is just as powerful today than it ever was. God, we thank you, God, that you continue to call people into your presence. We thank you, God, that you continue to call sinners to become holy, just like you. And we thank you, God, that we have been called to do that. And we thank you, God, that you're never done with us. You're always working within our lives, that you're never finished with us, God. And we thank you, even though we might turn away, you never turn away from us. Even though we might give up on you, you never give up on us. So Lord, help us to be your children that love you with all that we have. Lord, may the gospel truly be refreshed in our hearts every single day, God, so that our hearts might truly be completely yours with all that we have. Lord, you deserve all of our heart, soul, mind, and being. Help us to give that to you every single day. We thank you, God, that we can never be made perfect on our own. We thank you, God, that we could never be like you on our own. And we thank you for sending your son to make it all possible for us. We thank you that his work upon the cross completely satisfied your standard of perfection so that we can simply trust you and enjoy you and worship you forever. Lord, we thank you for your love. Help us to make our lives a true offering, a true act of sacrifice to make you greater every single day of our lives because we are yours. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.